0: Welcome to Lemonade Learning, a refreshing look at learning today. We serve up high impact practical strategies alongside honest and energizing stories to help educators.
1: Make the most of your moments, lead and learn with purpose, and craft lifetime lemonade from the sweets and sours of education. Join us for a glass. Hey everybody, it's Bree And Lainey, welcome. We have another great guest today. Bree, who
0: do we have? I am super excited about this one because um, she's my edu twin and uh, one of my dearest friends in the whole wide world. So I'm just, you know, selfishly excited about that. But more importantly, even than that is the fact that we have the Carrie Gallagher on the Zoom with us today, and I'm super excited about it. So if you're not following Carrie, grab your phone, make sure that you correct that, uh, that that misstep right now and, and go out and connect with her. Um, Carrie is... A, an educator. She's a mom. She is the, um, uh, ed- the assistant principal for teaching and learning. I think I might have gotten all of that right for her um, school up in um, Massachusetts. She is the uh, director of education for Connect Safely. She is a lawyer. She's a wife. She's a mom. She's all things wonderful. And I cannot wait to unpack some of these conversations with her today. So welcome, Carrie.
2: Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled. I've been listening to your podcast for a while. So it's an honor to be a long time listener,
0: first time caller. I love it. Yay. (laughs) That that ages us that we recognize what that is. (laughs) It's okay. It's okay. We can embrace it and it's totally fine. So I love
1: it. I love it. Well, I'm excited because we have followed each other on Twitter, but we have never actually had any synchronous face-to-face time, if you will. So I'm excited to get to know you better. And maybe we could start that off by you just telling us your sweet and sour. What's going on with you right now?
2: Sure. Yeah. It's so good to finally be on a live call with you too, Lainey. So um, so thanks for the opportunity. Sweet and sour. So um, I think the sweet is that um, summer is coming. And because I live here in the Northeast, we get no warm weather or warm temperatures in the winter at all we get wet and snow and rain and so being outside when you're not able to participate in winter activities is tough and it also has led to lots of little mini COVID outbreaks here and there throughout the northeast just because people have to be indoors by necessity so i'm looking forward to the warmer weather so that everyone who is around me can be happier because they're able to be outside um i've even been able to take quick, like loops around campus and walking around our whole campus is a mile walk. So I've been doing like somewhere between two and three loops, um, a day during my work day, since I don't take a lunch because we can't eat lunch with other people. Right. So you just eat it at your desk. So, um, so that's been great. Um, that's the sweet, I would say the sour is that I love winter. Like I love winter love the snow. I love the cold. I'd rather be in winter than summer. Any, I mean, 100%. But this winter, I wasn't able to enjoy my winter the way I normally do. Because of travel restrictions, I wasn't able to move between the New England states, which I'm accustomed to doing at the ready. Um, And so I didn't get to ski as much as I normally do, which if you know me, you know, my identity is tied up with skiing. It isn't just something I do, it's something I am. So So that's my sour, but I'll look forward to a a more vaccinated winter next year where I'll be able to, to do it again.
0: I, know, I, know. I love it I was laughing to when you were like my sweet is summer I was like this is not Carrie like everybody I mean like she like you you embody like Frozen and Elsa and and you know like this is your, your world Is to be able to be out there on the slopes and so um but I, I appreciate that that perspective of it right like having that more vaccinated opportunity where we can be outdoors where we can um enjoy the the warmth is uh is definitely something to look forward to for sure. Yeah outside year-round makes happy
2: you know what's great about um the whole outdoor thing right now and that it's getting warmer is that as we're bringing students back to schools we can because the weather is getting warmer here in new england like many other parts of the country that use outdoor spaces um on their school property all the time we're going to do that more than we ever have to try to space our students out so we actually as i was taking my my lap around campus right before our our chat Um, We have a a rental company putting up big giant tents on campus, um, which, you know, normally that's just something we do for like graduation, but now it's going to be lunch and, you know, outdoor classrooms and it's kind of exciting and it'll be novel and it'll make it um, special for the kids as they come back.
1: I love that. So my son went to an outdoor classroom preschool. So he spent most of his day outside. This was, of course, pre-COVID. He's much older now. Well, not much, seven. But at any rate, it was so amazing how he got to love nature and the science that comes with that. And it was always just so exciting to me um, that that was what his early years were, his, his early developmental years were. So I think this could be a really nice thing that we get out of this. You know, we're always looking for the silver linings. There's been enough tough stuff. So I love that.
2: Yeah, the um, they started using the outdoor spaces quite a bit in the fall, and my my younger daughter's elementary school, um, and they are just starting to use them again because it's just, I mean, it's March um, while we're recording this, so it's still winter here in the in the Northeast. So they're just starting to get back out there now, but the art teacher um, had the kids design and build and paint bird houses. Um, and they put them up in all the trees on the school property. And then, um, he also had the kids, the elementary school kids design and paint little like mini murals on like in the parking lot all over. And so they really did extend the classroom to outside, which in New England is just not something that we're accustomed to. It's really just the PE and the recess space. So it's, it's really stretched New England educators in a really positive way.
0: Talk about cross-curricular, right? Like really embodying what we talk about whenever we say there's so many opportunities to demonstrate your learning as well as to learn from your environment. And so I, I love that. Like I think, you know, so often, especially in in the secondary circumstances, there's a lot of pushback when it comes to having classes outdoors, right? Like it's this, you know, oh, our serious stuff has to happen inside and we have to, you know, have all of these different elements and 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 things like that. And so I, I think there's been a certain um level of guilt in the past of like, even, you know, even if you're in an area that has you know a really temperate area, I mean, I would say Texas usually falls in that category, but your crazy weather keeps coming down here to us. And so I, I don't know if we can really bring that true, uh, if that's a truism anymore, but um, you know, even, even in temperate areas, a lot of times class, uh, it doesn't move outdoors that often because uh, it, it, Feels like there's a certain stigma around it, right? Like, like oh, they're just playing, or oh, they're not, you know, they're, they're not taking their their study serious, or whatever those situations are. And so, I think it's a refreshing opportunity to to look at that through some new eyes and and realize all of the benefits that come with the fresh air and with the um, with the newness of of just changing your environment. So hopefully, there'll yeah. be some space. Yeah,
2: one of the thing, one of the words that gets thrown a lot around a lot in um and the school I work is a it's a, you know, private independent school. We have, um, mean more AP courses available to students than the school I went to. Um, and so there's a, a sense that we hold ourselves to a high standard and hold our students to a high standard here. Um, and the word that gets thrown around a lot is the word rigor, right? Mm-hmm. So if, if you're holding class outside, is that rigorous enough, right? Is that um, and on the other hand, I think we have some really creative and thoughtful teachers who are able to, to integrate um, really, I don't know, creative lesson experiences for our students that um, do we and we're fortunate enough to have a beautiful campus with beautiful outdoor spaces. So um, this maybe gives even more of those teachers who are hesitant because they're worried about whether or not they fit that rigor word um, Maybe it gives them more opportunities and more permission than it has in the past.
1: I've just been dying to ask you some things, if you don't mind, because I like to nerd out on certain things. And um, I have a background. When I went into educational technology many years ago, it was the time of and I think I might have mentioned this on the show before to catch a predator. It was the how do we lock the computers down so that our kids are not abducted by strangers through chat messages and things like it was a lot of a lot of fear based stuff was coming out because we didn't really know what to do with the internet and kids yet and so I I quickly started to learn that um, filters were not the answer that locking down devices were not the answers but it took me a little bit of I say quickly but I wouldn't say it was like overnight it took me some research and some discovering of of what we really need to do. And I love your work because I think you're doing a really beautiful job of helping others navigate how do we get the best out of the internet, but also make sure that we're keeping our kids safe and healthy. And so I'd love to hear a little bit about what's, you know, in this last year, there's been more time on devices that gives people more anxiety. Um, you know, by the time this gets released, we'll be heading into summer, which a lot of times means more screen time. And so I'm just kind of curious, not only as an educator and an expert in this, but as a parent, you know, what are you thinking right now along these things? What are are people talking about?
2: Sure. So I think, um, I mean, there's so much, right? Where do I start? But, um, but I think that a lot of people are worried and are get getting hung up on on the screen time issue because we are spending more time on screens than ever before. 100, I agree. 100, um, I agree. That is concerning. Um, but in the midst of that concern, um, do we let that concern just feed our anxiety and get us more and more worried, or do we use that energy, that concern, that that creates like that tightness and energy that we can feel? Do we use that energy to dig in and figure out what is it about the screen time that worries me? Are there certain behaviors that I'm seeing that are concerning in myself or in my family, my children, or in the students I serve? Um, And are those behaviors really linked to purely the amount of time on screen, or are they linked to the way the ways that we're engaging in the screens. So are we spending more time on screens just binging Netflix? Are we spending more times on screens in Zoom meetings um, in an effort to connect with our education, connect with our friends who we can't be with? Um, and then, okay, so maybe it's more Zoom meetings because I, I know that's what it is for me um, and for my children and for my students. And it, it, you know, Zoom meetings, Google Meet, we'll use Zoom interchangeably. Um, are those Zoom meetings or class meetings, are they really engaging? Or has it turned into a passive experience like the Netflix binge? So it isn't just like Zoom is good, Netflix is bad, right? Netflix is good because all of us deserve a little downtime, right? It's just how much downtime do you give yourself? Because it isn't just your body that you're giving downtime when you're doing a Netflix binge, it's your brain, right? Similarly, when you're in a Zoom meeting for a class, is that actually cognitively engaged time where you're socially engaged, where your brain is engaged in thinking, where you're doing like brain activities, or is it a passive experience because the person who's running the Zoom meeting is not requiring you to do any of that work? Um, And so there's different qualities of screen time that you can't just say like, you can't attach a brand name to a screen time quality what you're attaching is what's happening in the brain to the screen time quality um, and that's what how, that's the kind of differentiation number one that we need educators and parents to understand and that we need to therefore teach to our children right so when I catch my nine-year-old, binging on like YouTube videos one after the other. And by the way, there are YouTube videos where she's learning about like alligators and how they're born and it's not bad stuff but it's still not good for her to binge on that video after video after video. I offer one of the alternatives is play Nintendo Switch with your sister which is also screen time. But that's more cognitively and socially engaging. And so I'm not so worried about the screen time. I'm worried about what her brain and her body are doing.
1: So I just got so excited when you were talking about the social and the cognitive, because I think about a lot of times trying to kind of merge my background with online learning and my much longer background with face-to-face learning, this community of inquiry idea. And so the three elements of community of inquiry are social presence, teaching presence, and cognitive presence. So I love how you're saying this because we could be thinking through, okay, when they're doing screen time, like you said, are they cognitively engaged? Are they socially engaged? And if we're hitting those things, ideally right in the middle where it's cognitive, social, and teacher, then we're like in a really sweet spot. And that's something to be honored and celebrated rather than ugh, more screen time, just in my right.
2: right, right. And actually, as we were crafting our professional learning in August to prepare our teachers for this model, that's the, the three-pronged model that you just talked about. That's how we structured our professional learning um, at my school. Um, and, and I work in partnership with Um, I'm the assistant principal for teaching and learning. And I work in partnership with the assistant principal for mission and identity, which is a very private school title. But anyway, the two of us um, lead the professional learning program. And as I was digging into online learning research, I said to him, this model that has been around forever, like long before online learning, right, Lainey? Like forever and ever. This is the model we need to teach our teachers as the basis this for our hybrid model so that they understand that it doesn't matter whether the students are in the classroom or on the Zoom, if they're engaging in these three ways, your lesson is a success. Oh my gosh.
0: Because, and, and so to build from that, right? Because we, we've also spent a ton of time and a ton of effort explaining and and working through the sage on the stage is not the idea that we want to do either, right? Like we we don't want to have 45 minute straight lecture where there's not any opportunity for engagement, for, uh, you know, for exploration, for, for demonstration, for, for all of those kind of pieces. Um, And, and so I think it is one of those tricky, um, tricky circumstances that we're in these days where we immediately then moved into, you know, the the pivot, if we all want to use that that famous word, right? And then now all of a sudden, we're engaged online. Well, what are we going to do? Well, we're just we're gonna lecture for 45 minutes in a Zoom circumstance. And and that's uh you know, that's that's not meeting those other elements. And so similar to you know the conversations that we were having around what that environment can do, what what space and and time and location and the changing opportunities to to pull from your environment to bring in engaging opportunities. It's the same thing, whether you're in person or whether you're leveraging technology, you have to have that element to come into it. And, um, and so I think that I, I, I love that of like that three-pronged approach. Like, how are we bringing those pieces in? Like, where does the teacher come in and that, like set it for a Forever in a day, right? If 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 all you're doing is showing a video, or if that could be learned from YouTube, then that's not a teacher presence, right? Like that's just grabbing something, saying here, read this. Well, can you explain it to me? No, I said read this, right? Like that's not being a teacher in that format. That's presenting information and 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 you know walking away from it. Um, but, you know, also those cognitive elements that then come in, how do we build in that reflection? How do we build in that, that conversation and that collaboration opportunity for kids to, to really, you know, process their learning. And, um, I, I just, I, I think that's so great to, to keep that in mind. Right.
2: Well, and I think that in the defense of the lecturer a little bit, cause I don't agree with everything you just said, like some people are such great lecturers that, that each of the people in their audience feels as though they have a personal connection with what they're saying. So like, let's pause so there. Are,
1: wait, wait. Incredible. Can we get to dance? I need, I need you both to have. So, for our listeners, I have this thing where I get anxious when I feel like people are going to have a, a debate if they're not both fully committed to the debate. So I'm stealing from Adam Grant, and I'm going to say to my friends Carrie and Bree, "Are you going to dance? Are you? Happy? Are we going
2: to dance? Oh no! Well, I, I don't, I." What I wanted, what I was going to say is that I a hundred percent agree that the 45 minute lecture has no place in K-12 education, but I don't agree that Sage on the stage has no place because some people are such good lecturers that as they're talking, each of the people in their audience is like, Whoa, like she's talking to me. Right. They, they don't feel like one of many. They feel like the one and and I don't have well maybe I have it I don't know I feel like some d- it depends like when I'm in my classroom and I'm teaching like civics or whatever I I don't know I think some t- you have to know if you have it or not well and, and I think- if you if you do have it then you can get away with that for maybe even 20 minutes depending on your the age of your audience their attention spans for the development like all of those things there is no like you're not allowed to do this as a teacher, and you are like, this is a good teaching strategy and this is bad. It's knowing your skill set and your strengths and knowing your audience and their developmental abilities in terms of attention spans, right? So I just I hesitate to be like stage on the stage is bad because I just know that I supervise some teachers who are like, pardon my language, but they are kick-ass lecturers and they're really good at it because they are the stage. They know their stuff and they are so passionate about it. So
0: So, so where I would say is yes. And the reason why they're so good at that is because they are continually hitting every one of those elements. They're not lecturing and just reading ad nauseum with absolutely no cognitive interaction. And I think that that's where the difference is, right? Like, just like you were saying, Netflix binging, regardless of whatever it is, YouTube binging, even if it is like highly, highly, highly engaging content you don't have, you have to build in some time for you to physically have some cognitive, you know, parts to come in. And incredibly brilliant lecture-based teachers do that without even realizing that they're doing that, right? Like that's why, I mean, every single one of us before technology came into the classroom, any of those days, right? Like before, you know, with, with Socrates and with, with Aristotle, why were they able to speak and speak and speak and speak for hours upon, because they were incredibly engaging because they brought in all of these different elements. And I think that that's the piece that too often we, we do try to categorize it. We say like, oh, it's got to be digital or, oh, it's got to be lecture-based or, oh, it's got to be this. Instead, if we go back to that model of, how are you cognitively engaging? How are you having your teacher presence? How are, you know, then you start to create that really, really robust craft to make sure that you're, you're getting that in there with your, with your teachers. And, um, and so see, Lenny, we're totally fine. We're saying the same thing yeah. in it. I think that it's one of those pieces where honestly, so often we get, and we as educators, I think misapply the idea of it's, you know, I mean, I've had teachers come up to me that say, oh my gosh, you said that they were, this was going to be engaging because they were online. And I'm like, I never said that. And never, never, never said that simply putting a device in front of a kid is going to immediately make them engaged any more so than having a person stand up and, you know, thing to them is going to make them any more engaged, right? Like it all depends upon what the circumstances are, what the connections are, how we're putting this, you know, all to, all to peace. And, um, and I think that that's, one of those elements that hopefully we're keeping in mind as we navigate the next steps of, um, you know, of of teaching and learning, right? What does that look like in the fall of 2021? What does that look like in the fall of 2022, you know, and, and how can we continue to better our circumstances, both in person and in the online environment? Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed.
1: Okay, so I want to take some of this energy, if we can, because I loved how you said earlier, Carrie, like when we were talking about a lot of the fear-based stuff that happens around screen time, and how beautifully you talked about, you know, I always go back to that saying, you know, not all screen time is created equal, and I think that's what we've been talking about, Um, and so I want to talk about something in pop culture that over the last, I forget when it came out, it came out in 2020, right, The Social Dilemma, that that yeah, documentary. It came out, I think over the summer.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. That, which of course, like, talk about timing. I mean, I don't know. They probably consider that a blessing. They have like a captive audience. Everyone's uh, probably at home watching Netflix all the time. Um, but one, I, I thought it was well done, and there are people that are in that documentary that I, I follow because I find this a fascinating topic. But I do have a beef with that documentary in that they didn't really take the time to even give a glimmer of what some of the, the hope could be. And so for those who haven't seen Social Dilemma, maybe you could share a little bit about some of the themes in there, or I can. Um, but like, I want us as educators to pick up and as parents to pick up like, well, actually, what could we do? And so. Yeah.
2: So firstly, um, I want to disagree with the way you labeled um, the social dilemma because okay, it's not a doc- your- it's not a documentary okay. it's a docu drama it's a docu drama it is not a documentary it shared some factual information coupled with a dramatic like fictional acting of how bad it can get right like so so it's important for us to make sure that we can just dis- dis- like have a distinction between. Are we getting our information from purely research-based, objective sources, or are we getting our research? And and nothing is pure because everybody has a bias. But I is mean, it as objective say, as a be? I don't think you
1: find a lot of bias-free documentaries. So I assume a documentary has bias already.
2: Right, right, right. So so right. So not purely unbiased, but um, is it as research-based and fact-based as possible? With you know the human bias built in, that's unavoidable. Or was it crafted to pull us in just like the platforms are (laughs) through like this rabbit hole of this fictional family. And not only was it this fictional family where like both of the children went down fully all the way down into the dark of the rabbit hole, right? The daughter into like the social media addiction and the boy into like the media literacy, like complete like, you know, um, hole, right? But they also disinformation, misinformation, um, polarization is the word I was thinking of. He went into like the polarized, but not only that, they dramatized the actual algorithms and they personified them into these like little evil beings that were like pulling levers in brains. And so it's like, I think the first thing is to like, as you're watching something like that, as a parent or as a teacher, step back, take a deep breath and remember what was the intent of the creators of this program? The intent was to scare people so that they would be talking about how bad social media is, right? Um, And I think in some cases, they tried to make it seem like that wasn't their intent because they were like, we didn't do it on purpose. That's not what we meant when we started, like da, 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 da. But in the end, like you said, Lainey, they don't really offer solutions. And I think um, that's because the solution isn't like, here's the solution. The, the solution is the people in this role need to do this. The people in this role need to do this. The people in this role need to do like, there's, it. There isn't one industry or company or government body or that can that can fix this. Um, And I don't think we would even agree on what the fix is. But there is a role that each of us can play on making the environment better for ourselves and for the future. So that's sort of the the big picture take on on the social dilemma.
1: Yeah, because I mean, my concern was, was it the it was definitely intended to scare and I so appreciate I wish that we looked at everything through the lens of an awareness of bias. What is this person trying to get me to think or to do? Because I think if we actually pro- approach everything online with a little, and I don't want to be like constantly skeptical, but I do think we need to be aware and we need to know that that bias is always there. So yep. what I would hear people and parents say as a result of that was I'm deleting my Facebook right now. Well, are you gonna throw your phone away? Cause your phone is designed on game theory too. Like you can you I mean, that's just whack-a-mole to say I'm just gonna stop using, you know, this one social media app. And so I think that there's a lot that we need to do to make better choices. And I'm not perfect at it. I'm so trying to be aware of it, but there's a lot we can do to be more aware. And so I wanna know. You know, what are you thinking are some of the things that we as parents and educators can do to not only help ourselves, but definitely help our kids? You know, we aged ourselves earlier with the uh, the long-time listener first-time caller. <laughs> but so we have a little more hesitation and trusting, but maybe that's even not true. I'm going to actually maybe withdraw that and say, I would like to think we do, but I see a lot of people not necessarily, and myself included, not always aware of when they're being... Um, pushed in certain directions. So yeah.
2: Yeah. I think I think what I what I would like to see shifted. And I I could give you like a million little tips and tricks, but really it's a mindset shift. So as adults, we have no worry. We have no concerns about like, I am not a a nutritionist or a dietitian with that background or expertise. I do have some expertise on how social, on how social media works and how it doesn't work and the impact it has on people. And I do follow that research and have even done some of it myself. Right. Um, But I don't think you need to be an expert at the level I am to provide children with the guidance that they need to use it in a healthier way. Just like I don't think that I need to be a registered dietitian in order to give the children who walk into my classroom with a bag full of Twizzlers as their snack, like a pointer on whether or not that's the right choice for them to make at 9.30 in the morning. My own children every day when I get home, what vegetable have you, have you had so far today? Because if you haven't had one, Then we're having double vegetables at dinner tonight. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't feel, and why do you need that? What does the vegetable do for your body? Following up on those questions with them, right? Making sure they understand why, why do I push that with you? Um, You know, and as they're, as they're approaching puberty, as um, I think all of us have children who are either at puberty or approaching it. When's the last time you took a shower kid? You know what I mean? Like, why is it that you need to do that? Why does your body need that more than it ever has? So I know I'm going on and on with these, but think of our, your technology use as a metaphor for hygiene. It is just like the full picture of wellness that we think of when we are helping our children. How many hours of sleep do they get? How do we help them structure their day so that they get that sleep? How much exercise are they getting? How much free time versus schedule time do they have? Um, how often are they eating? What are they eating? Um, How are we over time giving them more responsibility to make their own choices? And do we sometimes pull that back a little bit and then give it back to them as they like sort of make mistakes, right? In the similar way, in this full picture of wellness of our children, digital wellness is a part of that. They will make mistakes just like you just admitted that you do, Lainey. Just like I I admit that I make mistakes with technology. Sometimes I'm not making the right choices or doing the right things. I also indulge sometimes. Um, I think I watched Bridgerton in like... I don't know. I watched the whole thing over the course of a week, which for me is a lot of like passive screen time to watch a whole show in a week. That never happens. Right. So, um, so like that week I was probably doing a little more passive screen time than I should. Right. Um, I also have had a bowl of ice cream after dinner basically every day so far this week. So like, that's not the best nutrition choice, but that doesn't mean that I like, I don't feel Inadequate by admitting to my children that I've had too much ice cream this week. Why do we feel inadequate to say to our children, like I also sometimes make mistakes with my technology? Yeah. So it, I think it's a mindset shift more about let's look at technology in the same way we look at all these other things that we as adults give advice to children and understand that we're not perfect, they're not perfect, but we still have more life experience than they do. And we still have lessons that we can share and advice that we can give them and structures and systems that we can hold them accountable to.
0: Absolutely. So so Carrie and I have kids that are almost the exact same age. I mean yeah. they, they are both the same, they are both in the same years. sixth grade and third grade. And um uh and and so I I'm as you're, as you're talking through this, I'm playing all these different things in my head. And one of the conversations that I've had both with my, my sixth grader recently, as well as with a friend who has a sixth grader, but as a girl and lives somewhere else. And so anyhow, this is what's, what's playing through my head as you're having this conversation. Um, so the conversation around my role as a parent, right. Is not to keep you from ever, ever, ever making a mistake, right? Like I can't do that. I can't like just wrap you up in bubble tape and you know, bubble wrap and like make sure that nothing ever comes to you. Because you're going to at some point in time. And I know I used to tell my students all the time, like your parents love you. They absolutely do. But at some point in time, they want you to leave the house. Like they don't want you to be 35 (laughs) living on their couch. Like so part of my job is to let you figure out these things because we're not always going to be there to to spoon feed that answer to you. And um, and so uh, you know, I was having that conversation with with my son who was asking me about screen time and he is screen time the app from, uh, you know, on his iOS device. And he was like, how come I never used to have this? And I, I started, I kind of laughed even though it was a very serious conversation. And, I, and he, he took it from the, he he felt like he had done something wrong. And then all of a sudden screen time came along and I was like, you never had screen time before because it wasn't a thing. Like the app hadn't been developed yet. Once it was developed, then you had it. And so, and, and you know, then we started talking about like part of this is because as you get older, right? Like like it or not, The conversations that you are going to be having from here on out are going to be less about like, mom, is it okay if I get this app to you know, now you're going to be, you know, having conversations around sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Like, I mean, I'm not going to be there in every one of them. And I need for you to have like, have that algorithm to be able to, to decide for yourself. So fast forward, having a conversation with, with a friend of mine who has a a daughter who is the same age. And she was talking about how her, her daughter was with a friend and, um, they were in her care, like they were, you know, the friend had come over and they were listening, they're driving somewhere and the girls had a device out and they were listening to some songs and they had, you know, it was, it was playing from the device so everyone could hear it. And one of the songs that the, the friend was playing had some pretty significantly ex- expletive lyrics that my friend, the mom was not comfortable with. And she was like, this would not fly in our house. And she was irate, right? Like immediately stops it, all this kind of stuff. And so she's having this conversation with myself and a couple other of our friends. And she's like, what what would you do? And I was like, well, and I'm just listening to everyone. And she was in the, you know, I said, well, what did you do? And she was like, I told him that's never going to happen again, you know, all this kind of stuff and like banned it basically and everything like that. And then she looked at me and, and she was like, you know, what would you do? And I said, well, I again would like ask why, like why, you know, all of those you know, like on. Right. Like all of those different pieces. And she was like, I don't want my daughter like with this part, you know, hanging out hanging around her. If this is okay for her to listen to, then this is not the kind of environment that we want. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. said, so I'm again, I don't know any of the people that are involved with this, but what if you then kind of asked your daughter for some of these answers, right? Like ask her, what is it about? so-and-so that you really like. I mean, it's interesting to me that we have that I see these differences between you two, but like, what are the things that you really like and, and get her take on what those elements are. And, and so I share that story because I think that that is so in line with what you were talking about. Like as a parent, we can't dictate like, here's what, here's what you're going to do. And here's what you're not going to do. And then this will mean that your life will be perfect forever and ever right? Like that, as much as we wish that fantasy could happen, it's not. And instead we have to prepare them for how can we, you know, how can you start to handle some of these circumstances as they come in, right? Like all three of us know it's just a matter of time before one of our children is going to stumble across something that they, we would hope that they wouldn't online, right?
2: Right. Does it I think, like- I th- yeah. And I think like, one of the things that I've done to try to help my sixth grader who has her iOS device, she has an iPhone. Um, She started with um, one of my old iPhones and it wasn't connected to cellular data. So we started with that. Now she has one that does have cellular data. We've started to slowly implement her access to social media um, one platform at a time. And basically when she wants a new app or wants to access a new platform, she knows she doesn't just come to me and ask for it she has to come up with like a a reason why that is a platform that would be good for her what is it like how does she plan to use it I want her to do the research on it and basically what I'm training her to do is that when I no longer have that parent oversight on that device has has she kind of automated that that's the process she goes through before she downloads something on her device what what is it that she's going to use it for how is it going to keep her connected to her friends to you know information she wants um, that's important to her all of that and you know obviously we're just starting that process with my third grader so she has a smart watch um, that um, she just messaged me a minute ago so I'll check it when we're done um but usually her messages are like can I have a piece of chocolate and like we're learning like there are things that are worth messaging about and things that are not. So that's the phase that we're at right now. I'm like, there's an adult supervising you. Ask that person. Mm-hmm. Don't ask me. Right. Um, and so I think that's that's the the big thing that's important for parents to know with that is that it isn't all or nothing. It isn't like full-blown, amazing, you know, iPhone 12 Pro
0: mm-hmm.
2: Max mm-hmm. or nothing. There are now devices that are created for children. Even children as young as like preschool and kindergarten that you can start with and then you get kind of the next device and the next device and the next device. And within those devices, there's parent settings that you gradually release over time. Um, and if they make a mistake, there needs to be a consequence. But then you try again because that's what parenting is. It's helping them like figure out what they learned from failing. Um, And also as a parent, understanding that you're going to make mistakes along the road and, you know, sometimes be overly restrictive, sometimes be overly permissive, but you'll learn from your mistakes too.
1: Well, and I think the conversations are what's so important at home and at school. I think that sometimes, you know, we've talked a lot about how the, sometimes the parenting stuff is happening behind the scenes where we're, you know, using the time, you know, limits and things like that, but we don't talk to our kids about it. And then I think in schools, Um, We as teachers are vetting things, but we don't talk about with kids how we vetted those things. And so I know we could get into a whole info lit, you know, web literacy conversation. I know you're about, you got to get going. So I won't, maybe we can have another conversation about that. But I think the big takeaway for me, and I hope for those listening is just We need to be really thoughtful about how we can build these daily healthy habits, because ultimately we're not going to be there at some point, whether it's for our students or our kids as they move out of the house, hopefully at some point. Um, So we have to we really have to prepare them and we don't even know what's coming next. So we've got to like really try and get them while we can.
2: I just want to quote my CEO at Connect Safely. His, his name is Larry Magid. Um, he's been a tech journalist since the 70s. He's, um, I've just learned so much from him, and I've been so grateful to be able to be connected to his network through my work at Connect Safely for the past five years. Um, one of his famous quotes that he said long before he even met me is that the most important filter a parent can use is the one that they're helping their child create between their ears. Uh So I think it more important than putting any filter or parent dashboard or anything, um, in play, which now I think they're, they're so nuanced that they are helpful. It used to be that they were like all or nothing. And I didn't, I wasn't a big fan of them like eight years ago. And now I, I do use them to an extent with my own children. Um, it, what's more important than that is that like you said, Laney, you're having the conversations about why that filter is there. And one of the other things I allow my children to do is I say if you want me to give you like more time or change things on the filter, all I have to do is ask. I'll probably say yes as long as the reason is a good reason. So they've pitched it to me and I've made changes. Um, So that's something else to consider. And I think what educators can learn from this conversation about parenting is that we need to empower our students to be able to make the same pitches about school filters and how much power they have to control their devices in school and how much access they have Um, And, you know, decisions that are made at the IT admin level, some of them are determined by policy and law, certainly, data privacy, you know, firewalls, all that stuff, and that's understandable and kids should know that, right? But some of them, some of those decisions are determined based on just the comfort level of the adults in the community, and so the children need to be a part of that conversation, because, it is impacting their access and it is impacting their ability to develop and fine tune their filter. And since as educators, it's our job to prepare them with the information and skills they'll need to navigate successfully adulthood, that is one of the skills that they need to be building while they're in our school. And if they're completely locked down, they're not having the opportunity to build that skill while they're in our schools.
0: One of the things that I would follow up with that as well is the intentionality around the phrasing that we use. Um, I, I know for me, I'm working with administrators, working with teachers, it, it was trying to be very cautious about using the word free time, right? Like I, I get it kind of gives me a little bit of uh, of anxiety whenever I hear teachers say, "Free time, you can do whatever you want, right? Because then they equate, free time with iPad or free time with device. And then, um, and then, you know, again, it becomes the, well, what is it that we're asking them to do? Like it, it becomes difficult to apply, like what, you know, to apply your own filter to what choices you're going to make if you're not set up for that in the right way. Right. So like going back to the conversation that you are having around like nutrition and things like that, like If you look at your kids and you say, Hey, you can have whatever you want for dessert. And then they go and pick a chocolate chip cookie. And you're like, "Mm -mm -mm, you were supposed to get broccoli. Like that's not setting them up in to make a a proper, you know, proper decision. Like if you are concerned around the time that they're spending on screen time and you think that they're using too much time, you know, passively watching a, a YouTube video or whatever the case is, then, you know. Set that conversation up to that of like, hey, it's gonna be some time. I want you to go use some, you know, I want you to get on your device and I want you to explore X, Y, and Z, right? Or like, let's have some creative time on the iPad instead of let's go have some free time, right? Like again, lay, you know, laying out those training wheels of intentionality. So then that way we're we're letting people make the best decisions in the most prepared manner instead of just saying, like, you know trying to guess and make them feel like they're always making the wrong decision. So,
2: yeah, I usually like to give free time with choices. You can, here's free time. You can do one of these three things you get to choose. So they still have some power, which is really important. Or once they've gotten used to the things that you're likely to say yes to say you have free time, all you have to do is let me know what you're doing and I can give you the, okay, the thumbs up or the thumbs Mm -hmm. down. Um, And then they start, they start getting creative and they start understanding what the parameters are so by giving them choices and giving them the opportunity to pitch to you how they use their time you're starting to give them some of that power and develop that filter that we talked about
0: and just like you said as a parent right like you know if I'm having ice cream every day this week after school or after you know before bed or whatever like is that okay well I mean you know, what are the conversations that you're having around that, right? Like we we need to let them know there's a time and a place for all of these things. Like there's nothing that's inherently bad with any of the stuff. It also means that you're balancing it out with a couple other things along the way. And so I I think, again, just that modeling of intentional choices, like there are going to be some times, right? When you're like, you know what? I went and watched Bridgerton and I (laughs) <laughs> closed the, the windows and I closed no, the don't watch and I was
1: the, like, That with your kids, of course. But
0: um, right, no, yeah. No, yeah, 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 no but, my kids were seeing and I, I, I was did wallowing at myself it. pretty. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean did it, did. There's, a, there's a time and a place for that decision, and it's necessary, right? Like we need that time to be able to 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 shut down and to be able to do that, just like we need the other time. And I think again, like all that you're saying, like, it's, it's just that reminder to model that not just a here kid, go and do this because I'm an adult. And this is what I'm telling you to do. It's also important for us to model that so that they can see that this, this is how we're going to live from here on out. Yeah.
1: Model that. And then the gradual release of responsibility. I love that. So we have to let you go, Carrie. I do want to give you a last chance to, how can people connect with you? We'll put a little frame around you for your social, but for the people who are listening, what's the best way to get in touch with
2: you? All right. Well, firstly, thank you so, so much for having me. And thanks for this conversation. I can't wait to nerd out with you guys again on one of the many other topics we were like, oh, we'll talk about that next time. We'll talk about that next time. <laughs> so I, um, my online, um, identity is, um, Kerry Hawk zero two. So that's K E R R Y H A W K zero two. So at a.com and that's my website, put a little apps at symbol in front of it. That's my Instagram, and my Twitter, um, and so that's, those are, I would say the three best places to follow me also Carrie Hako to gmail.com, like, you know, all the things. So, um, shoot me a DM connect with me and I look forward to hearing from you.
1: You're awesome. Thank you so much. And thanks yeah. for listening everyone. All right. Thanks y'all Thank hit you. her up.
0: She's super, super smart. She will let you know what you need to know. <laughs> so thanks again, Carrie.
2: <laughs> Thank you. Thanks both.
0: If you enjoyed this batch of Lemonade Learning, please check out our website, LemonadeLearning.us for more resources. Be sure to subscribe today so you don't miss out on future lessons, laughter, or lemonade.
1: And if you're feeling really generous, please go to Apple Podcasts to submit a review so other educators know the value. One last thing, learning and lemonade are best together. So please connect with us on social media using the hashtag LemonadeLearning to share your story. Plus, we're always looking to give away stickers and swag.